welcome to episode number four of the Red's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Red. And I'm Jake. And today we are talking about the allegory of the cave. Um, as usual, just want to let you guys know that in the notes is all the references we use. So you guys can know that we're not just making all this up as we go. Uh, <laughs> feel free to cross-reference those. Um, but we're going to dive into, we're just going to start talking a little bit here about Plato. And if you don't know him, very famous uh, Greek philosopher, look him up. Uh, today we're going to talk about one of his most famous works called The Republic. And in there he wrote a few al- allegories that are the basis of what we're going to talk about today. Um, the first one is his uh, analogy of the divided line. And he uses the analogy of a line that's divided and then subdivided each time into unequal parts. So it's dividing it up into four separate parts, which he calls each one is to represent what he calls an affection of the psyche. The lower two are said to represent the visible uh, while the higher two are said to represent the intelligible. If this is confusing, which it, it, it is, but we're going to bring this together a yeah. little more as we go, feel free to just, just look up on um, Wikipedia about it. It has a an image of the line, and it, it goes into detail if you have any trouble with it. But this is just the basis of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We're, Sometimes it's kind of confusing. Like, obviously, he was around a long time ago. Like, there was certain quotes. Like, I had to reread and reread, and then you you get a lot more of an understanding. Yeah, kind of the way they talk back then can be a little dense, but we're going to do our best to bring that out and then kind of expand on it. Hell yeah, man. So, this line, this divided line, divided four times, representing these uh, affections... Um, they're described in uh, succession as corresponding to increasing levels of reality and truth. So this is what we're, t- we're going to be talking about, reality and truth. We're going to be talking about consciousness. We're going to be talking about how you understand things. So he says that they're, they, um, how, did, how did he word this? Reality and truth from conjecture to belief to thought and finally to understanding. So those are the four, conjecture, belief, thought, and understanding. Those are the four divisions on this line. So furthermore, the the analogy, it it elaborates a theory of the psyche, but also presents metaphysical and epistemological views. Uh, To put that in different terms, metaphysical and epistemological, those are big words. That would be uh, the, the fundamental nature of reality, and the theory of knowledge. So that's what he's talking about here. Got to give you some props on those pronunciations there, Red. <laughs> yeah, these are big words. Yeah. Big words, even for me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read a little excerpt from the Republic um, on this analogy of the divided line. This is how it goes. It's, this is it, quote. Now, Take a line which has been cut into two unequal parts and divided each of them again in the same proportion and suppose the two main divisions to answer, one to the visible and the other to the intelligible, and then compare the subdivisions in respect of their clearness and want of clearness. 
And you will find that the first section in the sphere of the visible consists of images. And by images, I mean in the first place shadows and in the second place reflections in water and in solid, smooth and polished bodies and the like. Imagine now the other section of which this is only the resemblance to include the animals which we see and everything that grows or is made, end quote. So, I don't know if you got all that, but we're talking about uh, the, difference, the difference between visible things and the difference between physical things and what they mean in relation to your understanding, I guess is one way to say it. Quite the mouthful, man. He, uh, you really got to like think about these kind of things, but he has quite the weight with words, man. Also, it's kind of weird to me. What's the whole deal with the unequal parts? I think it's to represent um, which one is more meaningful. Yeah, the importance. Yeah, like obviously the, the physical visible things, are they're a smaller part. And then the more the more intellectual mm-hmm. he says intelligible, I'd say the more intellectual things are going to be a bigger part. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think one way to interpret that would be this is a way to like elevate your consciousness a more to be, uh, you know, a way to represent being more, you know, a smarter, more enlightened being. Yeah, I think enlightened is like the perfect word for that. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to need to. You know, we, we all start with, like, physical things, and then as we get older, we we learn, and we start to understand more intellectual things. Mm-hmm. And he talks about—he kind of talks about that more in The Republic, but that's kind of the, the a little bit of what he's getting at here. And this is really just the building blocks of what we're going to get into. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good way to start out. Yes. Yeah, so he's going to dive into this much deeper in The Allegory of the Cave— In the allegory, The Cave, Plato describes a group of people who have lived chained to the wall of a cave all their lives, facing a blank wall. Um, The people watch shadows projected on the wall from objects passing in front of a fire behind them, and they give names to these shadows. Um, The shadows are, they're their reality. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, so to these prisoners, their whole reality is... All they can see is shadows. I know that might seem weird, but it's just an intellectual exercise. Mm -hmm. So just imagine somehow these people, they're just forced. They're stuck in this cave. They're forced. All they see, all they know their whole life are these shadows. I mean, sheesh, what a a way to live, huh? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It'd be, it's pretty messed up. But it again, it's just an intellectual exercise. So... These shadows to these people are representations of the real world. Now, they're not accurate, but to them, it's all they know, right? Yeah, it's real to them. Yeah, it's, it's reality. So these shadows represent the fragment of reality that we can normally perceive through our senses. So kind of like he was talking about with the divided line, mm-hmm. this is those lower visible things. Yeah. So these shadows are representing those physical uh, lower things, right? I, I think you could kind of understand here how this could kind of be connected to other things you could use this as sort of an analogy right and we're going to Mm -hmm. we're going to get into that a lot so 
Plato sets this up really good because he starts with that smaller, that smaller um, understanding of the line, and then he goes into this deeper story of the cave. So he like builds upon it. He's very smart in the way he sets this up. So these, what we're talking about, these objects. So while the objects under the sun, so objects that would not be in this cave would be rep- representing true forms that can be. To, to Plato, those would be the things that can be understood and perceived only through reason, only through your intelligence, um, which right now in the allegory is unknown to these people in the cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty obvious. Yeah. Sorry if I'm butchering this. No, I'm doing no. my best here. So to uh, Plato, there's three higher levels of understanding, and those are the natural sciences, mathematics, geometry, and deductive logic. And all of this has to do with his theory of forms. It's pretty tough one to wrap your head around. Yes, and this is what I had trouble with. And I, uh, you really have to just almost like some Einstein shit, like a thought experiment. Like you got to think about it, you know? Yeah, it's some deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I, I probably haven't explained yet. In the allegory of the cave, if you dig into it, You'll find that Plato uses his teacher um, Socrates in the story. He, if you're not familiar with dialogues, um, because that's how Plato writes his works, he explains things through a dialogue of people talking, and he uses Socrates, who was his teacher in real life. So that's why it can be confusing. It's a real person that he's using. He's making talk in his stories to explain his ideas. So in it, in the story, Socrates explains how the philosopher is like a prisoner who is freed from the cave and comes to understand that the shadows on the wall are actually not the direct source of the images seen. A philosopher aims to understand and perceive the higher levels of reality. However, the other inmates of the cave do not even desire to leave their prison for they know no better life. Some deep shit right there, man. Right. So the philosopher is someone who somehow learns of the real world outside of the cave. So if you've seen a movie like The Truman Show or The Matrix, you will find that they got some of their ideas from the allegory of the cave, of someone who doesn't know of the you know the outside world outside of the cave or someone who uh is forced to see it yeah i guess to get into that i didn't uh do an example of the matrix but the truman show uh truman burbank which is it's funny he's played by jim carrey he doesn't know that his uh, whole life is a massive tv set and uh his town that he lives in the people he sees and everything that he goes or everything that goes on there are not real his whole life is a TV show, and he's mostly unaware. So I guess you're kind of asking, like, how does this connect into, like, the allegory of the caves theory? And the way I kind of describe it here is that the cave, for example, is Truman's town. Uh, the shadows are the actors around him that are pretending to be real people, but he's not aware of that. His reality is that they're real, but in reality, they're, they're just actors. And kind of in the allegory of the cave story where one prisoner, or I guess the philosopher, tries to enlighten the others, uh, in the movie his girlfriend tries to enlighten him. And uh, 
if you uh, if you watch the movie or just watch a video on it, it's it's kind of hilarious how it like really connects into the allegory of the caves. Yeah, uh-huh. I, th- I think at one point his dad's recasted in. Yeah, it kind of like messes. With yeah, him too. he's a he's a. They recast his dad as like a homeless guy. I yeah, believe. after after he dies. Yeah, his dad dies. His dad and dies. Then they recast the same actor. So. Yeah, and he's like, yo, like I think he does notice that that was his dad, but he's playing a homeless person. He he kind of starts to like question, but it's kind of hard to wrap his head around because this TV show or his reality that is a TV show, but that is his reality, you know? Yeah, he grew up on in this set built mm-hmm. around him. So it's a great movie, by the way. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you touched on that because. You know, everyone nowadays is familiar with The Matrix. Yes. You know, but probably not as many people remember The Truman Show. So. Yeah, and I uh, I didn't know about it until, until you told me about it. Yeah. It's a trippy movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool. So if you guys haven't seen it, definitely go back and watch it. It's a great movie. And if you love Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's one of, like, the few movies where, like, I don't know, it just... Doesn't seem like a Jim Carrey movie, you know. Yeah, this is kind of yeah. He kind of first when he first started stepping out into more serious yeah, roles, but, but he does it well. It's yeah, he's a great actor, mm-hmm. great movie, yeah, and great representation of the allegory of the cave. Yeah, man. So let's get back into it, guys. So, like we said in this, these um, movies nowadays have drawn on it. A lot of things draw on this um, original allegory. Uh, talking about enlightenment. Enlightenment is the obvious theme derived from the allegory, but the meaning of it is has uh, new interpretations over the years. It has many different interpretations, but with technology becoming what it is now, with um, AI and not just AI, but AR, uh, artificial reality, becoming so advanced and becoming almost indistinguishable from, from reality. It's only a matter of time before you put on a headset and you cannot tell where you are. I think it goes to show how ahead of his time Plato was with, I guess you could say such, such a simple like scenario, but it can, the allegory of the caves, like it connects, you can kind of apply it to a lot of things in life. You can, uh-huh. you definitely and can. Even today, like you said, with AI and yeah. AR. With, with, uh, yeah, with AI and AR, it's, it's. It's brought up a whole new idea, a whole new thought on this. So what what are we talking about here? We're talking about something called simulation hypothesis is what I'm getting at. And this is the idea, um, the growing idea, um, that we are in a simulation. I, if you all have, you know, listened to anything, Elon Musk or... It's been a hot topic of conversation, I would say, over the past few years. It, it has. Some people think there's a really high probability we are. I, I don't personally believe that the probability is that high, but um, you know, it's definitely become a real, uh, a real brain teaser. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, like, I feel like you can't just put it out of the question. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and even if you don't believe it, it definitely brings up some. Um, things to think about. Yeah, definitely brings up good topics of conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to read you uh, just a little synopsis of it if you are not super familiar with it. So the simulation theory is the hypothesis that reality could be simulated. For example, by quantum computer simulation, 
to a degree indistinguishable from true reality. It could contain conscious minds that may or may not know that they live inside a simulation. This is quite different from the current technological achievable concept of virtual reality, which is easily distinguished from the experience of actuality. Simulated reality, by contrast, would be hard or impossible to separate from true reality. Uh, there has been much debate over this topic, ranging from philosophical discourse to practical applica applications in computing. Yeah, I think uh, you could pretty easily understand how that can clash with, like, religion or, you know, just ways of thinking. But, I mean, it, it's very interesting to think about. It is interesting, and it does tie right into... Uh, what you read about the Truman Show there, what you found out about it, and that we all could be in a Truman Show, right? Yeah. No, I mean, sheesh. Uh, if you've watched Rick and Morty, man, you would... You could, you yeah. Can, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, the Earth TV show or whatever. Yeah, that's. I guess that's a whole nother one that's kind of <laughs> can play along. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've definitely met people that I thought maybe they're NPCs. Yeah, there's a... Y'all have definitely seen the NPC memes or there's no way this guy is a real person, but... Yeah, there's some people that I have talked to and I have felt like their dialogue was just like Skyrim dialogue. <laughs> yeah, just so dry, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I don't think this person has any actual thoughts. Oh, I don't want to get too off on a tangent. There's this video of this guy, he's walking in the park and there's this guy just walking, just, just no, just a blank face and he walks across from him and he's like, man... Are you in GTA? He's like, are you a Grand Theft Auto NPC? <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, man. Maybe the guy was going through some stuff, man. You yeah. never know. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, that's, you never know what's going on in someone's life, man. That's true. You, you don't. You don't. Right, let's anyway. get back on topic here. Yeah, anyways. So there is a, a little uh, interesting thing that I want to talk, just briefly talk about that goes along with the simulation hypothesis. Um, that is called the observer effect. So... In a study um, reported in the February 26th issue of Nature, researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science uh, conducted a highly controlled experiment demonstrating how a beam of electrons is affected by the act of being observed. The experiment revealed that the greater the amount of watching, the greater the observer's influence on what actually takes place. So I, I myself, I listen to podcasts and I've heard some people try to explain it. And because of that, I'm not going to try to explain it because it's, it's, it's me either. Man. It's kind of dense. It's kind of hard to explain. All you need to understand is that when the, the electrons were viewed, they reacted totally different than when they were not viewed. I don't know exactly how the scientists uh, established that, but they did. So this brings some really interesting questions into mind of why is why do electrons care if we are watching them? Why does reality, why does our existence, why does matter care if we're watching it? Why does it react differently? Is it because we're in a simulation? Dude, that's that's freaking weird. Like I mean, I don't really have too much to chime in on this. I'm not, I'm not Plato. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a scientist. But that that's 
very very interesting man it's it does it is weird too like how did they figure that out but i mean i guess they did yep i linked it feel free to look into it Mm -hmm. and read all the super boring sciencey details yourself (laughs) uh i myself i rather just uh read what they did and sound like i am not so dumb (laughs) i think you're doing a great job man it's trippy man yeah so this is going to segue into the next thing we're talking about and uh, to start with that, I want to read this. This is the the butterfly dream. I'm totally going to butcher this name. Chang Su, a philosopher in ancient China, who one night he went to sleep and dreamed that he was a butterfly. He dreamt that he was flying around from flower to flower, and while he was dreaming, he felt free, blown about by the breeze hither and thither. He was quite sure that he was a butterfly, But when he awoke, he realized that he had just been dreaming and that he was really Chang Su, dreaming he was a butterfly. But then he asked himself the following question. Was I Chang Su dreaming I was a butterfly or am I now really a butterfly dreaming that I am Chang Su? Quite the rabbit hole, man. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for following me through that. But this maybe now you can see why that ties to this. Yeah. It's kind of a trippy thing like this. So with the particles from the observer effect not reacting right, from us talking about the allegory of the cave, we get into this next issue of is human consciousness creating reality? Perfect segue, man. Perfect segue. Uh, thanks. I didn't know if I was doing a good job there. but <laughs> No, you're I'm doing trying. great, man. No, I, I feel like all of these things are like – these abstract big ideas that we're trying to we're trying to make this cohesive. Yeah, and y'all won't hear it. There was a, a part earlier where I was trying I was trying to get my thought out there, but I just couldn't. Like some of this is definitely hard to put in words, you know. Right. But we're we're definitely trying our best here, and I think Red is is doing a pretty good job. <laughs> Thanks. So, human consciousness. We're gonna get into this. In a paper by Robert Lanza, a stem cell and regenerative medicine expert famous for the theory of biocentrism, which argues that consciousness is the driving force for the existence of the universe. He believes that the physical world that we perceive is not something that separates us from, but rather created by our minds as we observe it. According to his biocentric view, space and time are a byproduct of the whirl of information in our head that is weaved together by our mind into a coherent experience. Lanza says, The observer is the first cause, the vital force that collapses not only the present, but the cascade of spatiotemporal events we call the past. Stephen Hawking was right when he said the past, like the future, is indefinite and exists only as a spectrum of possibilities. You know, there's a lot of big words here, and I'm doing my best here to tag along and keep going with this, but I guess this, does this kind of tie into the idea of that maybe like real, just, just it, we're all kind of one? in a way yeah like maybe i'm not sure maybe we're all connected to one mind that's creating everything and we're just products of that yeah you know i don't know if you've seen any of these um 
these videos, these, um, you know, like little TikTok videos, but there's all these videos cut together of different celebrities saying things like, uh, you know, it's funny. We talked about the Truman Show. Jim Carrey is one who's brought up a lot. And um, he said something along the lines of, you know, I used to feel like this guy experiencing the world and reality, something like that, he said. He mm-hmm. said, but now I feel like, uh, I don't know if he used the word God, but he said, I feel like God experiencing a guy. And I guess that that connects back to that, you know, I, I don't want to get too crazy here, but there is like the theory that we kind of all of us and kind of delves back into the consciousness, all of our consciousness together, maybe, maybe is God. Yeah. I mean, who, who knows? Yeah. I mean, obviously feel free. You, you make whatever yeah. I feel opinion like any guy who tells have. you that he knows, yeah. I, I just don't trust. Yeah. Him I, I mean, I have no idea, but it is kind of convincing to me a little bit. I don't know if you feel the same way. I'm not. Yeah. I feel I, like, um, you know, I feel like consciousness is one of those things that's just, at least at our point, is unexplainable. Mm-hmm. It's just baffling, you know. We have an idea, like, you know, I, in my head, you know, I'm me, I'm Jake, but yeah, like, who I really can, knows what's in my head? Yeah, I mean, I can understand, um, you know, the Darwinian line of evolution and you know, that all these systems changing and, and growing. And I can also understand like a computer program um, building upon itself and, or, you know, programmers building upon it, making it more complex and more and more complex um, systems on top of each other. But at what point does that become consciousness? Does that ever become consciousness or is consciousness something on its own? I, I guess that's the million dollar question, huh? Yeah. In, I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't know what, but it's freaking super crazy to think about. And feel free to make whatever opinion you want to make about it. I respect it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting thing to think about. Yeah, but when I did hear that, I think you explained to me that there is an idea that all of us together are. It, that is God. That is consciousness. You know, we're all one. And, you know, it it can make sense to a degree to me. Yeah, it can. It can. There's a lot of ideas on uh, reincarnation that tie into that. Um, I don't know enough about them to tell you the specifics of them. Mm-hmm. But there's the ideas that we all connect to the, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, like new age and there's a lot of different, um, you know, spiritual ideas around that. We all are connected to one thing and we're all part of the same thing. And we all are God or the universe or, or something along those lines. And it's just... um. You know, it's interesting to see these sort of philosophical ideas and scientific ideas that kind of connect to it. Yeah. And and who knows? Maybe the reason we don't understand it, maybe the reason we don't understand consciousness and we don't understand what all this is, is because maybe we're still in the cave looking at shadows. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're not supposed to yet. Like, you know... Maybe we have to reach that form of enlightenment before we can actually understand Uh that you know these these concepts we're talking about now maybe these concepts which to us are hard to understand are just the shadows yeah and 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 we haven't seen the real thing of what this really is if you can understand that (laughs) i guess that i i think from this whole little tangent here i think you can 
at least I kind of think all this kind of connects into a bigger picture. Now, what that bigger picture is, I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah, it is. Um, There's something um, in the allegory of the cave, if you dive into it, where it's the person who comes out of the cave, the person who, like the philosopher who gets out of the cave and gets the understanding um, of of the real world and the understanding that what they saw was just shadows. Well, there's something in there that kind of applies that, uh, they were let out or they Mm -hmm. were dragged out. Um, in, in one interpretation, it sounds like they were like forcibly dragged out of the cave and forced to see what reality was. And it kind of seems like most of them couldn't come to grips that that was reality. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So the uh-huh. philosopher gets drug out, and he, he does eventually come to grips. But when he tells tries to go back and tell the other people, they yeah, can't they, they can't quite understand it. But this brings a question of, of, of who let, let the prisoner out, and who not only let the prisoner out, but drug him out. Who is this person? I guess someone who was enlightened, huh? Is it someone who's enlightened? Um, maybe. Uh, we don't know, but there are some people who think it's aliens, uh, who think it's some form of higher being, maybe some, f- some type of God, some type of, you know, you, you guys want to get what I'm getting at. Yeah. Here. Something. Yeah. Something above S- us. Something more. Exactly. That's, that is one idea about what drags someone out and, en- and enlightens them and brings them to this, you know. Gives them the Neo understanding in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know who's Morpheus? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But there's another, there's, a, there's that idea, and then there's a whole other theory on it. And yeah. it's psychedelics. Yeah, this, uh, I guess if I had to choose one that I believe, I think this is where I fit into right here. I think I understand this one. Yeah. You know, I would, hey man, if there's an alien out there, if there's Morpheus out there that wants to give me a red pill, I'm all for it, man. Come. Dude, I'll, I'll eat one. But, I would. But I, I don't know where to find that, but I do know where psychedelics are. <laughs> I mean, allegedly. Quote, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if we recall back to our first episode of Cult Theocracy, um, we learned about something called the Eleusinian Mysteries. Remember that, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, and um, all the Greek philosophers went there. They all went there, and while they were there, they drank this wine that had some some type of psychedelic in it. We think it's ergot. Yeah. But they had this ceremony where they, they drank this wine, and they had this psychedelic um, experience in enlightening trip. Yeah, they had like a like a cocktail kind of substance that they would ingest yeah yeah and it, it was i guess i'm getting at it's not just this cocktail it's like it was like a whole orchestrated theatrical yeah. well i'm just yeah. yeah just what they and then it was it was a big thing yeah 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 like total ceremonial type vibe i that was meant to like open up their minds yeah and i think that kind of goes back into like our whole almost kind of overarching idea of enlightenment in this yeah, it does. Enlightening, mm-hmm. Enlightenment and like maybe that, that rite or that ceremony was what is like dragging them out of the cave. Mm-hmm. Once again, we connect right back to Allegory of the Cave. And could this be where, where Plato came up with it? 
when he was when he was going through this was this where he came up with the idea of the cave it's definitely plausible yeah it's it's i i feel like this is like the strongest argument yeah um that i know all the other ideas there's great arguments for them they're interesting um i like thinking about them for sure but this is one that i i can see i can definitely see this connection yeah and my little pea-sized brain this this makes a lot of sense to me yeah, and if, if you've had a positive experience on psychedelics, um, you know, we're not saying everyone does, but many people do. Um, and if you've had, like, a life-changing experience with them, you'll know how powerful they are. Um, and I don't mean just, like, you know, there's different ways you can take them. I feel like intention matters. You can take yes. psychedelics just to go to... You know, just to get messed just, up, you just see Pink Floyd and see the lasers mm-hmm. and, and you can have a great and that's awesome. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's great. But you also I, there's like more spiritual ways you can take them. You, know, you can take them. You know, you can see a shaman and take ayahuasca and go through a very um, spiritual experience. You know, like the Native Americans had peyote and it was a very it was like a constructed ceremony. It was very um, purposeful yeah purposeful you know it was religious it was spiritual but it was um, I feel like the intention of how you take these things matters yes I think intention and definitely setting matters yeah if you've taken them you'll you'll understand what we're saying here and if you haven't um, I hope we're doing a good job explaining it we're trying our best here um, there's people who have um, taken psychedelics with the intention to quit smoking or quit drinking yes and um, it helps it's, this has been proven in modern science. It's it's being proved more and more how um, it helps with depression and with PTSD. You know, there's a lot of places now that mm-hmm. have um, a lot of ketamine yeah. clinics because it helps soldiers with PTSD. It helps people with depression and anxiety. It helps them with addiction. It's it's um, I feel like it's starting to come out and it's going to become more and more mainstream. It, it's I think what we said just a minute earlier with the whole purpose, even with the ketamine, uh, I believe they do like drips or uh, injections for these people that have struggling with whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. mental illness. And like you said, the purpose of it, I believe ketamine is technically an anesthetic, but if it's used in a certain way, you can get a lot out of it, man. Yes. Yes, you can. It's, it's interesting. And, it's it's weird how that kind of ties back to consciousness, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like your consciousness, where it's directed with these powerful substances together, can accomplish something. Yes, yes. So, you know, I don't know where we landed on this. I don't know if we landed anywhere on it, or if anyone else landed on anything with this, other than that it's trippy, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. So. I don't know if you have any more thoughts to bring out on this, Jake, but I think that's all I have to say on the subject. You know, I, it's definitely, it's hard for me to completely understand, but the more examples we've went through, uh, throughout this podcast, they all kind of in some weird way connect with the psychedelics and the simulation theory and the allegory of the caves and even some modern day movies or more modern day movies, uh, Mm -hmm. And they kind of all, in a way, kind of come to a similar conclusion. They do. I guess, I guess you know, everyone, at least me personally, like, I, I definitely feel like I'm in the cave looking at shadows and 
I'm trying, I'm grasping to understand more. Yeah, and I don't want this to sound stupid, but I think everyone at a young age, I know definitely me, I must have been, I don't know, eight years old or so, and I remember looking at my hands and looking at my feet and wondering, how the fuck am I here? <laughs> Did you ever have that as a kid? It wasn't oh. there a certain age where you fully, I think most people have that. Oh, I'm sure everyone has some, something like that. I mean, I don't remember that exactly. Um, I don't, I, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I grew up with a more religious background, so I think I had some some um, misconstrued idea of why I was here. But I, I remember uh, similarly, at least to me it's similar, I remember like going over and over trying to understand where in the Bible it says God has no beginning and no end. Yeah. And I remember just like, I, I can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it hurts my head. I have a headache. It's like staring at the sun. And I guess that connects once again to we're looking at the shadows. Yeah, I I just uh, yeah, definitely. I feel like yeah, you know, when you're you're young, you you're you're kind of in the cave in some sense, but as I get older and older, I I just feel more and more like I'm in the cave. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And you know, I it's it's freaking it's interesting to think about and you know, I know this was kind of a clusterfuck of ideas, but I think they all kind of have they all once again point to almost the ultimate goal of enlightenment. I think we all want to be fully enlightened and will we ever know what that's like? I'm not going to be the one to tell you, but I hope so. Right. Right. Maybe it's something, something you just understand after you die. Yeah. And, and maybe you have to pull a Play-Doh and take a freaking cocktail of a bunch of random shit and have a crazy ceremony and then you get it. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're getting at we need to reestablish the Eleusinian mysteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm and, down. Sign me up. Yeah, and there was like many, I mean, I guess we're never going to 100% be able to prove if they did go there, but it's like Plato, did Aristotle. Yeah, and Socrates. Yeah. And there was, exactly. Yeah. Like big if, names. If you, yeah, if you were anyone in those times, you went. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was one of those guys, I'd go. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to leave you guys with one last thought before we wrap this up. All righty. You know, like I said, there's many interpretations of this allegory of the cave. But one thing I would like to leave you food for thought is to think about when they were in the cave looking at those shadows, trying to understand what reality really was. Think about that next time you're watching TV. I think that is a great way to end this podcast. I hope you all had a great time listening. Yep, thanks for listening, guys. This has been Jake. And this has been Red. Red.